great to be here today with you all and just turn and tell somebody God is faithful. Now turn and tell them like you mean it. God is faithful. All my life he has been faithful. And he is not going to stop his faithfulness, his truth, his love. Uh, uh, man, how blessed are we that God loves us and pursues us. Spoke to a guy early this morning who said, I I've lost my faith. I said, that's okay. God's the one that leaves the 99 and goes after the what? The one. He leaves the 99 and goes after the one. I already wore out one microphone in two minutes. That's a new record. He comes after us. He pursues us. Your goodness is coming after me. Man, what a, what a message in that song. Thank you, folks, for being a part today. Turn around and tell somebody, I'm ready for the word. How about you? I am ready for the word. Get your Bibles out. Turn to the last chapter of the last book at the end of the Bible, Revelation 22, right? We're going to wrap this brief study up on future world, what the future looks like. The facts are these, and they are undeniable. Jesus is coming again. Amen? <laughs> Woo! What good news that is. He is coming again, and we are getting closer to his coming. I am sure of those things as anything I have ever been sure of in my life. Completely sure of those facts. So, in light of those truths and realities, what are the closing words to us from God's Word? The last chapter of the book. How many of you love watching a good movie? You love reading a good book? Now they're giving me a third microphone. Don't hold it at the bottom. Hold it at the top. Instructions after all these years. Thank you, Jordan. Don't you love watching a good movie or a good television show that's so suspenseful and so, so keeping you on the edge of your seat and you don't even know what's going to happen, but you can't wait to the end to try to see how it all See, here we go again. Okay, don't you love being on the edge of your seat? That's kind of how it's been with, with the, the Bible, with, with the good book, amen? And, and, and we kind of know how it ends, but we want to really know for sure. We want to dig into God's Word. We want to see what the truth is of how all of this comes to a final resolution. I mean, we have some ideas. Most of us grew up in church, but we're going to be reading in verses 6 through 21 from the final chapter of Revelation. And in these 16 verses, John describes for us how, how someone who has put their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation should respond. So if you're taking notes, write that word down, respond. How should I, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, what should my response be to these final words? And he also warns in these verses unbelievers and gives reasons why they need to respond to God's invitation of salvation through grace by faith while the opportunity, listen to this, is still available. The good news for them is there is still time. The end and the new beginning hasn't come yet. But, but hear me this morning. It's on the way. I was so encouraged this morning by one of our, our worship team members or a couple of them that said, hey, we were at a birthday party for our kids this week and, and we shared Christ with some friends there and said, hey, we want you to come to church. We want you to come to church with us. I said, that's what we should all be doing constantly in our daily lives, looking for opportunities to invite people into the kingdom, to be that witness, to share the gospel while there is still what? Time. 
So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Revelation chapter 22 if you haven't already. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 6. And we're going to read some scripture this morning. And here's how this reads. And, and follow along with me. And he said to me, John writes these words. These words are faithful. All my life you have been what? Faithful. And here he is in his words. They are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bondservants the things which must take place soon. Mark that word soon. And behold, I am coming quickly, says the Lord. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. Now, if you don't mind writing your Bibles, underline that, bold that, highlight that, whatever you have to do. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book. For the time is what? I don't, I don't want to rush through this. I know sometimes I sound like an infomercial, right? Just putting a thousand words in a minute's time. The time is near. If you don't mind highlighting and bolding again, marking, making that stand out. Do that with that word near. Then he goes on and says, let the one who does wrong still do wrong. The one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming what? Quickly or soon. And my reward is with me to render to every man according to what he has done. Then the Lord says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in by the gates into that city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves to practice lying. A lot of politicians are in trouble there. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride say, come and let the one who hears say, come and let the one who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes to take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the books of the prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. So be it, says the last word. The big finish. What a, what a finish. What a way to end this entire canon of scripture, this book that we call the Bible. So in reading through this final passage, this final section of scripture, it begs the question, how should believers respond to the closing words? How many of you ever been in a courtroom or watched it on TV and, and there be a, a case in the courtroom and, and the lawyer, the attorney sums up his case by giving his closing argument? 
the final statement on behalf of his client. These are the last things I want you to remember and take away. These are so important. I'm going to wrap up this whole case in this nutshell of a statement I'm giving to you. It's kind of like what's going on here. In the first half of this passage, John quickly moves from theme to theme as he delivers to us the responses that every person who has put their faith in Jesus Christ should have to the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that our Lord could return at any time, at any moment, should cause us to respond in at least four ways that I want to give you here in the next few moments. First of all, our response should be immediate obedience. How many of you know about what that, that, that means? How many of you are parents or all of us had parents or somebody who was over us? And when they would ask us to do something, we learned very quickly. Or when we ask our children to do something, we learned them very quickly that, hey, we don't want you to do it later. We don't want you to keep putting it off and keep putting it off. We want you to do it now. We need to see some action behind the request or the command that we've given you, right? I mean, when I say take the trash out, I don't mean next Thursday. I mean right now because it's already overflowing. And you packed it down as much as you can pack it down. And it keeps springing up and, and blowing over the sides, right? You know how that goes? How many of you husbands are guilty of that? Wives, uh, don't, don't, uh, you're starting to point already. When, I, when I'm making that statement to you, I want you to show me some action. Do it quickly. Obey immediately. Man, I love that. The angel that had shown John the new Jerusalem is declaring these words are faithful and true in verse 6a. The inspired words written by John are as faithful and true as the one who revealed them to John through this angel. The book is, is very important. It's, it's, it's God's words to us and his instructions and not just the vague imaginations of John here on the Isle of Patmos. And John responds to the angel's declaration by writing, and the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bondservants these things which soon must take place. This statement by John is his claim that the words that he has written are inspired by God. Just as the words of the prophets of the Old and New Testament are the inspired words of God, just as the prophecies concerning the first coming of Jesus Christ were literally fulfilled as the prophets had prophesied, so these prophecies will be literally fulfilled in the near future. And John declares that these events that he saw and heard must soon take place. And the word translated soon is a word that means suddenly or quickly and refers to the speed of the way something is going to happen. In other words, when the events that John described for us in this writing begin to take place, they will quickly unfold, not drag on slowly. John's words echo the words of the apostle Peter who wrote in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21. But know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. And that's what John is getting across to us here. These aren't just his words of, of, I think this would be a great way to sum this whole thing up. In my limited understanding, I'm going to give you some closing argument information instructions. I'm going to give you the best of the wisdom that I can muster up from myself. No, that's not what it's all about. 
It would be like me trying to get up here in my human ability and encourage and motivate you people week after week after week from whatever I have of myself. I'm going to tell you something. It wouldn't do you much good. I could give you a few things that might help you in life, but I can't give you anything of myself that's going to transform who you are into the image of Christ Jesus. Only he can do that. And John is making the case here that, hey, these aren't my words. These aren't something that I've just gathered along the way in my 40-something years of living or ever how long he lived on the earth. No, what he is saying is this. I am not speaking to you. Look at me, church, but God is speaking to you. And if it's God that's speaking to you and speaking to me, then, then it should warrant a response from us that would be immediate and obedient. Hey, they rhyme. <laughs> immediate and obedient. That because it's God's word to us, because it's his instructions to us, as Peter verified, hey, the words of God are true. They're not conjured up by some sharp person here on this planet that God created. No, these are the words of very instructions and life-giving words of God himself. What a statement that is. Powerful. And so if they are God's word, how do we quickly obey? How do we, how do we quickly respond in obedience? Well, the word heed refers to guarding and protecting the words of this prophecy. So what we understand is it must be defended against those who deny that it's true. Now, let's just break that down to where we're living at right now because that's what we should do every week. Every day that we're in the Word, we should say, God, how does that apply to me today? How can I put this into practice today for my life where I live in the day and time that I'm dwelling in? What, what is this going to do to me right now? Or what should it do to me? So are they... Are they people out there that are attacking God's word? Are there people out there that are coming against this and saying this isn't truth? That this is something that's just made up along the way? That this is just a, a, a bunch of a, a BS and, and you don't need to adhere to this and, and, and give your life to it? Is it under fire today, the words of God, the instructions of God, the commandments of God, holy living, are all those things under fire right now? Yes, they are. Who's going to stand up and defend the word of God? Who's going to stand in defense of truth? Who's going to stand up for righteousness and say, hey, we will not bow down to your ways? Years and years ago, it was under attack as well. Even as far back as to the beginning, it's been under attack in the garden. God's truth it was always under attack. And so we must be ready to obediently stand up strong in the face of every attack on God's word and say, we will stand for truth. We'll be defenders of truth, must be guarded and defended against those who deny its authority and against interpreters who obscure its meaning. Blessings are going to come to those who are obedient and guard and defend God's holy word. And for those who dare to stand up and do the words of God. Because James wrote those powerful words to us, be doers of the words and not hearers only. You heard that, right? We've got to stand in defense and stand strong. So how do we heed or guard the book of Revelation? It's a general command from Jesus Christ to long for his return and our eternal everlasting fellowship with him. After reading the words of this prophecy, those who have put their faith in Christ should love him more, should seek to be more like him, 
should look forward with hope for their resurrection bodies and anticipate their eternal rewards. We should also understand the fearful judgment that is coming to the unsaved and this knowledge should spur us on to call people to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ while there is still time. Hitting the book of Revelation, being obedient to the words found in its pages. Call. Call for us to obediently follow the commands of Jesus Christ right now. The second response that we should have to this powerful book and this writing should be to worship. I mean, if you look back on the passage we read just a few moments ago, that was John's response. And how can we not respond in worship to such a great God? How can we not be moved, compelled? I mean, I don't care. If, if you love Jesus Christ and you're in his presence, something has to click inside you. If not, you better check yourself because you've already wrecked yourself. There's some stuff there that's just not right with God. Because I'm going to tell you something. When you are right with God, when you love Jesus Christ, and man, he, his presence just comes alive and real to you, then all of a sudden something is going to move you to respond to that. Just like it did with John when the words of God came in prophecy through the angel of God to him on the Isle of Patmos there as he was a prisoner exiled out there all alone. Man, it moved him. It compelled him to the word says he fell down before the angel and began to worship. Now what we have to admire here is the response to God's presence. What we have to understand here is that the angel quickly corrected him and said, wait, 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 John, it's, it's good. But it's not me that is worthy of the worship. We worship God. I'm like you. I'm a created being. He is our creator. He's the one that deserves all of our praise. And I love that the Bible records that. I love that the Bible tells us that these great heroes of the faith sometimes got it wrong. Because I can tell you without a doubt, I get it wrong quite a bit. I don't know about you. You guys are doing better than I am. And I love the fact that the Lord will come alongside us and say, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Not like that, like this. Like a loving mentor or teacher will teach somebody that they're trying to show them how to do something and say the right ways and, and correct them in, in, in a loving, nurturing way. Hey, not, not like that. Let's try it like this. That the angel redirected John and said, hey, don't worship me. You got the worship part right. Worship him and I'm going to worship with you. We both just fall down and worship the creator. Man, that is a powerful lesson for us. That we as God's people should be moved to worship quickly and easily. That we could be riding down the road. I'm not talking about just coming into this room. As a matter of fact, this should be the easiest place where we worship God freely. I don't know why it isn't sometimes for some of you that struggle with it so much. But just, just let the Holy Spirit drive you and move you and compel you like John here. To worship God. Listen to me church. It's in the last words of the last chapter of the last book of the Bible that we are to move to worship if you're riding down the road in your car and get this I'm not even talking about a worship song comes on the radio you're playing 106.9 or whatever you play I'm talking about you just see a, a sight you just see something you, you maybe see the sun rising over the horizon or setting over the horizon and a beautiful array of clouds 
that are just lit up in all these different multifaceted colors that just that nobody could do that except God and it just gripped your heart that reality yes nobody could do that but God thank you God and you are the God that created the heavens and the earth and all this you created me thank you and we should be moved or when God speaks to you and moves you to go and, and give a word to somebody of encouragement and you, you begin to minister to them and, and both of you just begin to worship. I'm talking about times like that of just truly worshiping God and acknowledging who he is and being moved so much like John here. In this closing revelation from Jesus Christ to him, to us. If we're not being moved, we better check our movers because something's disconnected. Something's off. Station's not quite dialed in like it needs to be. We worship him for he alone is worthy of all of our praise and all of our worship. As a matter of fact, that word there, overwhelmed, I was overwhelmed. I just couldn't even stand When's the last time we've been overwhelmed by the goodness of God? The presence, the majesty, the glory of who he is. I'm not talking about going through a routine. I'm not just talking about putting it on a show. I'm talking about really connecting with God and feeling him so strong, man, that you just feel like he's standing right here beside you. The glory of that, the immenseness of that, just you can't even stay on your feet. And you just fall to your knees and you get on your face and say, thank you, Jesus. That of all the stuff going on in all the universes that you have, whatever that may be, that you came to hang out with me right now. That I am on your calendar, I am on your radar to this degree that you came to me. To that one I spoke with early in the morning and said, I've lost my faith. I've lost my way. I told them that you may feel like that, but God hasn't lost sight of you. He knows where you're at and he's going to come running to you. He's never even left you. He's going to find you and you're going to find him again. So we should be obedient. We should worship in a third response to reading this book is to proclaim the truth of it. The message of this book is not to be hidden. If you're taking notes, write that down, please. It's not to be hidden. It is to be proclaimed to produce obedience and worship. The angel instructed John not to seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is what? Near or close, the return of Jesus Christ has been imminent for every generation from John's day until right now. And the fact that the words of this prophecy are not to be sealed shows us that there is no hidden secret meanings apart from the normal sense of the text. If the plain normal understanding of the words of Revelation do not convey the meaning that God intended its readers to grasp, then these words are sealed. And this command is nonsense, but they are not sealed and they can be understood and can be proclaimed because the time really is near of his coming force. That is the truth. And this is why the angel says, let the ones who, who, who does wrong still do wrong and let the one who is filthy still be filthy and let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. 
What the angel is telling John is that a person's response to the proclamation of the truth will decide their eternal destiny. If the person decides to reject the truth and continue to walk in their sin, their hardened response to truth means that they love the darkness more than they love the light and they love their sin and they will die in their sin and their eternal destiny will be hell. Not my words, God's words. Because he incredibly gave every one of us a free moral will to choose. I set before you this day life and death. God's word says, choose life. Who has the power? We do. Right in the palm of our hand, so to speak. Choose life. But one who responds to the truth and repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us will become righteous and holy. And as evidence of their faith will practice righteousness and will keep themselves holy through the indwelling Holy Spirit. And their response of faith determines their eternal destiny in the new heaven and the new earth. In the future world. And the fourth response to this book of Revelation Get your pens and pencils out and don't, don't miss this one. If you haven't already, if you've been a little lazy, stop being lazy right now. Tell your neighbor, don't be lazy. Just tell them this, get on it. Now, now, there's about three of you that actually did that. Tell them, it. get on it, let's go. Come on, we're in the south here. I don't care where you came from, this is the south. We eat grits, we eat liver mush, and we tell people, get on it, let's go. Okay, fourth response to the book of Revelation should be faithful service. <clears throat> I got quiet because you're writing and I like that. that I'm, I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Verse 12, the speaker again changes and Jesus for the second time in this passage we walk through declares that he is coming quickly or soon. Again, it's a statement which means his coming is imminent. In other words, it could happen at any time, at any moment. Hallelujah. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Five of us are excited about that. Maybe it'll spread to the rest of you here before we end up finishing this thing up here this morning. And Jesus says when he comes, he's going to bring something with him. What was that? Reward. How many of you remember watching them old Western movies? Seeing them posters up hanging through the Western town there that had big letters at the top. Reward in a picture of a criminal. And then the amount of the reward underneath that. Jesus is coming and he's going to bring his reward with him to render or to give to every person according to what they have done. Now rewards are always based on service. Salvation, which is always a what? Free gift is based on Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. But this is the only way that we can get into heaven for sure is through the blood of Jesus Christ. But in heaven, there's also going to be rewards. And we don't serve for rewards, but by serving, we get rewarded. Just like if you show up to work and do your job, they're going to reward you with paychecks at the end of the pay period, right? How many of you look forward to that? So you can buy your Doritos and Oreos and sun drops, right? And maybe pay some bills, which is important too, but those things are, are priority, the Doritos and Oreos and sun drops. So yes, me and Evan, thank you. 
the knowledge that Jesus could return at any time should not lead the believer into a life of idle waiting and sitting on the sidelines. I don't know that you heard that. The knowledge that Jesus could return at any time should not lead the believer into a life of idle waiting and sitting on the sidelines, but instead it should spur us on to diligent obedient service to God and purposeful proclamation of the gospel to every unbeliever that we can. Isn't that beautiful? We're to do something with what we have. This treasure that is in earthen vessels, as the word describes it, that the gospel that's been deposited into us. Let's just break it down into our, our verbiage today. The, the word, the truth, the love, the light, the gift of salvation that God has granted to us through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. We are to give away to others. We are to serve. We are to go. We are to do. If you read through the Bible, there's a lot of action words in there. Go, serve, love, give. Do all you can. Be obedient. Help your brother out minister to those who are hurting and lost and poor and broken and, and downtrodden and all that. It's a doing gospel, not a sitting gospel. Somebody should write that down. It, it compelled Jesus to do something, to leave the glories of heaven there with God the Father and the Holy Spirit and come down and go to this earth on the greatest missionary journey ever recorded and literally live here as a human being, God in the flesh, for 33 some odd years and give his life as a ransom for many. <laughs> what, a, what an action that is. Faithful service. Paul, speaking of the rapture and the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15, ended with these words in verse 58. Let, let them get down into your spirit. Let, let them get down deep and grow roots. He said, therefore, in view of the return of Christ for the church, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, <laughs> always abounding in your hobbies, and your sports, and your sleeping, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. What a, what a strange scripture. Wait, wait a minute, I, I read that wrong. Wait, no, always abounding in the work of the Lord. I mean, we, we love to abound in a lot of things. But the work of the Lord sometimes get neglected a little bit, put to the back burner, and, oh, I'll get to it later. Or, they don't really need me. Oh, they got plenty of people working in, in children's ministry and, and all that. Hey, the church is well taken care of. Now they don't need me to help around. Oh, yeah. They don't need me to go to the missionary you know, team and, and, and be a part of that trip. They don't need me to, to go to the outreach or help the home. And they don't need me. I, I can do other stuff. Ooh, abounding in the work of the Lord. What does abounding mean? It means plentiful. It means abundance. It means that I am giving a lot of my time, I'm giving a lot of myself to the work of Jesus Christ. That, that compared to every other compartment and, and department of my life, that, that the work of the Lord is, is abounding, it's, it's fruitful, it's, it's abundantly uh, uh, packed up with stuff that I'm, I'm doing for Him. And the other areas of my life are, are, are minimum to that. They've got, they, they need to be there. But I want to abound in the work of the Lord, as Paul wrote. 
knowing that our labor or our toil is not in vain in the Lord. That's why we don't want to grow weary while doing what? Well or good. To abound in the work of the Lord. To respond with faithful service. Now listen, this isn't a time that we're just trying to beat you over the head and say you need to get on the ball with worship and proclaiming the truth and serving in Christ and doing that. No, this is, a, this is an encouragement to keep on keeping on. Why? Look at me, church, because the time is what? Running out. It's coming to an end, but with the best new beginning ever. Because the, the, the new beginning that we, we face that's on the horizon is, is perfect. It's perfection. It's God aligning everything back to the way it's supposed to be, where sin is no longer in the picture. Brokenness, hurt, heartache, trouble, everything that comes with it is gone, is erased, is removed. Forever. As Pastor Scott said last week, no more tears, no more sorrow. How many of you looked in the face of someone just this week, like he asked last week, that had tears streaming down their face, that you know personally, maybe a part of your family or friend group or neighborhood group or work group, and their hearts were broken and tears were coming down, and it's going to be gone. Sickness and illness, broken bodies, all that's going to be gone. Perfection is coming. Knowing that, New beginning is on the horizon in our future world. It should move us. The words of this prophecy, the last part of this book. And Jesus intertwined multiple times in this section of scripture himself. And saying, I am saying to you. His angel came and delivered parts of the message. And Jesus came and delivered parts himself. That's how important this closing argument is. And, and if you'll, you'll just bear with me just another moment or two, there, the, the, the finishing parts of this contains in, in, in verse 17 an invitation to unbelievers to not miss the end, to not miss his coming, to make sure your robes are washed white and clean. By the blood. Did you get that in the closing verses of that, that passage? Those who have dipped their robes in the blood. Those who have cleansed themselves. In other words, they have come to Jesus Christ. And that, that flow of, of blood that flows from Emmanuel's veins. There at the cross at Calvary. That cleanses every sinner and makes us white as snow. Jesus is saying, make sure that every unbeliever hears this message. Before it's too late that they can come. And find that cleansing stream of Emmanuel's blood. And washed themselves in it. You know the old saying is you can lead a horse to water but you can't make them drink. It's so true. We can lead people to Christ. We can lead them to the fountain of blood that flows freely from Emmanuel's veins. That can wash them whiter than snow. But we can't make them jump in. As much as we'd like to. Because of the love for them that we have. Going back a few moments ago, rewinding. Every person has that free will that they make their own decision. But here's our assignment as Christ followers. If you call yourself that, 
in this room and watching right now. Our assignment is to proclaim the truth of the gospel. Our assignment is to live that out in our own lives with the help of the Holy Spirit every, every way that we can. And our assignment is to lead people to Christ and say he is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. Wash yourself. Be cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Be free. Be saved. And that's how it ends. With worship to God, proclamation to Him. <laughs> he who testifies of these things, surely I am coming quickly. Even so, come Lord Jesus, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So be it. Would you close your eyes with me for just a moment? Future world is, is on its way, folks. It's coming quickly. The charge and the challenge for every person who believes in Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord is to faithfully serve to be about the Father's business until he comes. To proclaim the truth of the gospel with everything that we are. To worship God passionately with our lives. And to obey right now. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Obey God now. That is our response. For every unbeliever both listening to this and not. The call to them is come. Come to the king while you have time. Come to the savior before we go home, before this all ends. Come home, come to Christ. Come be redeemed, come be transformed. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't wait. Don't delay. Jesus is here. Jesus is here to save you. What a message both to the believer and the unbeliever. But as always, it comes down to what we will do with the truth we know. Because the book is very clear. It's not, not hard to understand. Some may want to say it is. But the Holy Spirit brings it alive to us. And the plain, simple facts are that as believers, we're called to obediently worship, serve, preach, proclaim, share, tell the truth of the gospel. As unbelievers, Jesus calls us to come to Him and be saved. I just feel led this morning to ask everybody to stand to your feet across this room. And maybe if you're watching right now and in a place where you can do that and not in your vehicle listening to it, I would ask that you would take that step too. Every single person, stand up. And here's how we're going to finish this time this morning. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for both segments of people. Believers and unbelievers. 
And what I ask of you right now is this. Allow the Holy Spirit to examine your life. Not, not anybody else. Don't go to your mom or dad and say, hey, how do you think I'm doing? No, not, not your husband and wife. Allow the Holy Spirit to examine your life. Many of you, the Holy Spirit's been dealing with you in some strong way already this morning. So you know it's not, it's not a secret to you. This is what he's saying to you. This is an area that you need him to come and, and rescue and change and wash maybe. Cleanse by the blood of the Lamb. Believer, I pray right now in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would take a coal off the altar of God. Come and ignite our lives fresh and new with a burning urgency that the time is drawing near for Jesus to come back and rapture His church and establish His kingdom. And the end that's leading to the beginning is very, very near. I believe that. As we walk through these past several weeks looking at all the signs leading to future world, what the future world's going to look like, God, we don't want to miss it. And we don't want people to miss it either. We want to get out and, and be urgent, God, in our witnessing and be urgent in our worshiping and be urgent in our working, God, in everything that we do. And Lord, let it be for you and about you. Forgive us for missing that all too often. That we would abound in the work of the Lord in our lives as individuals and as a church body and family. God, light up our lives as never before. Bring revival to us, Jesus, as your people. That we would put away the foolishness, God, and get about the business of the kingdom. With a joyful heart, God. With a longing in our, our spirit, Lord, to, to be with you. But Lord, with an urgency to bring as many with us as we can. And God, for every unbeliever, I pray that right now this is their time. This is their moment of surrender, God, of repentance, God, of change, of transformation, of salvation today, God. In the name of Jesus, God, call people to you in salvation. Let us wash our robes in the blood of the Lamb, Lord Jesus, and be cleansed from the things of this world and be holy as you are holy never to be the same again those in this room and outside of this room God do your work as we fully surrender to you Jesus thank you for loving us so much that you came and gave yourself on the cross thank you that death couldn't keep you but you raised to life on the third day defeating death hell and the grave once for all who would believe and receive it in Jesus name God we thank you and right now Lord we worship you God move us compel us overwhelm us by your presence as we worship one more time together as a family thank you Jesus